Rich Roll Podcast. All right. We're back. The podcast. I'm here with Julie. How are you doing? Doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Glad Great. to be back in the studio recording yet another episode of our brand new podcast. We're having a lot of fun. We're having been, a great time. Yeah. Thanks for everybody out there who's been supporting the show. Uh, we are off to an amazing start and we really appreciate all the early support, the great comments uh, that you guys are leaving on the iTunes uh, podcast page. So keep it coming and we promise to continue to try to deliver some solid content. We're brought to you today by On. I am a total gearhead. I love researching the latest technology for the sports I enjoy. And I've learned that people often overlook apparel, but what you wear isn't just clothes. It is without a doubt technology. Technology that can make or break a performance. And I can tell you after spending two full days meeting with the apparel wizards at On Labs in Zurich, that On is innovating in this space like no other with next-gen premium fabrics and just this heightened level of sophistication and precision and testing and development and intentionality previously unheard of that puts them just miles beyond the competition. I've been rocking On's high-performance running apparel, including the long tees, the weather jackets, even the climate jacket, all super lightweight, tailor-fit, built-to-move, and just gorgeous to get you out and get it done in fleet foot comfort, no matter the weather. I'm super proud to be a brand partner with this impressive team. From increasing product sustainability to improved energy return and impact protection, truly Swiss innovation at its finest. To get you moving, On is offering an exclusive 10% discount. To redeem, head over to on.com slash richroll and use code richroll10 at checkout. We're brought to you today by recovery.com. I've been in recovery for a long time. It's not hyperbolic to say that I owe everything good in my life to sobriety. And it all began with treatment and experience that I had that quite literally saved my life. And in the many years since, I've in turn helped many suffering addicts and their loved ones find treatment. And with that, I know all too well just how confusing and how overwhelming and how challenging it can be to find the right place and the right level of care, especially because unfortunately, not all treatment resources adhere to ethical practices. It's a real problem, a problem I'm now happy and proud to share has been solved by the people at recovery.com who created an online support portal designed to guide, to support and empower you to find the ideal level of care tailored to your personal needs. They've partnered with the best global behavioral health providers to cover the full spectrum of behavioral health disorders, including substance use disorders, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, gambling addictions, and more. Navigating their site is simple. Search by insurance coverage, location, treatment type, you name it. Plus, you can read reviews from former patients to help you decide. Whether you're a busy exec, a parent of a struggling teen, or battling addiction yourself, I feel you. I empathize with you. I really do. And they have treatment options for you. Life in recovery is wonderful, and recovery.com is your partner in starting that journey. When you or a loved one need help, go to recovery.com and take the first step 
towards recovery. To find the best treatment option for you or a loved one, again, go to recovery.com. What is the meaning of life? What happens when we die? What is our purpose here? If like me, you ponder these delicious existential questions, I have got just the thing for you. It's called Soul Boom. It's a podcast hosted by everyone's favorite best friend and my friend, the deep thinking and deeply hilarious Rain Wilson, where he communes with intellectuals and entertainers, theologians and philosophers in intimate exchanges that tickle the mind, heart, and yes, the soul. Subscribe to Soul Boom on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. That's right. We have an amazing guest today. We do. Today we have. Today we have. I'm very excited about this guy. I, I have a lot to learn um, uh, from what this gentleman has to deliver. Uh, he is the soil whisperer. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Hendrikas, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for the intro there. Thanks for coming today. I appreciate you taking the time to be here. Hendrikas Shraven, although... Uh, he just goes by Hendrikas. You got it's it. Like, it's like Madonna. He's that iconic. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I look a lot like Madonna. Too, yeah, you do. You do, For actually. the listener out there, he's a beautiful gentleman with long, flowing blonde hair, very handsome. And uh, Hendrikas is, is an amazing talent. Uh, he is an expert in uh, sustainable agriculture, permaculture. He's a wizard when it comes to soil. And we're going to get into talking about um, what's wrong with our soil, how it can be rejuvenated. We're going to talk about factory farming. We're going to talk about GMOs and a lot of these kind of hot-button political and health issues that uh, are in the zeitgeist right now. And Hendrikas is the man to set us straight and educate people. People ask me, you know, so what do you actually do? I said, well, I'm actually in the health business, in a sense. It's true. It's true. At, it, at its very root core, at, at its, the foundation. At the foundation, that's right. right. Yeah. So, uh, so tell us a little bit about what you do. Well, what we do <clears throat> is a lot, uh, but the soil and, and organic fertilizer aspects, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll lead you into it a little bit, you know, how it all came about. You know, I, was, I, was, uh, I grew up on a, on a farm in Holland, uh, you know, way back, mm -hmm. and right after the Second World War. And we, you know, right after the Second World War, of course, the chemical revolution took place, mm -hmm. so to speak, because of all the leftover stuff of bomb making, which was then used for agricultural fertilizer. Oh, I didn't know that. So they had to repurpose all this sort of Yeah, you know, when you <clears throat> well, that's, you know, it's 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 obvious how 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 you can actually get a truckload of fertilizer and add some diesel fuel and blow up an entire building in downtown Kansas. Yeah, we've seen the results of that. Yeah, we've seen the results. So so the stuff was 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 bomb making material. So of course, lots of leftovers, what are you going to do with it, right? And of course, if you have like pure nitrogen, you start throwing that on your soil, and all of a sudden, kaboom, you know, lots of stuff started growing really fast. So they thought, oh, awesome, you know, we, we, can, we can use this We can stuff. use this, we can sell it. So, and that's what they started doing. 
basically. And that's what I call the chemical revolution. You know, they just started literally telling farmers they could get more production faster, more for an acre of land, et cetera, et cetera. So, of course, that also happened where I grew up, and I was just a kid. And we were spreading this stuff with our bare hands because nobody told you any different. You know, mm -hmm. you don't know. It's the same as with asbestos and all these type of things. So what happened is, is, is you know, like, I'm, I mean, my, my literally, I was bleeding around my fingernails. So as a kid, you were working on the farm. It was the family. Oh, yeah. The yeah, family yeah. Farm. Oh, yeah. It's a very old-fashioned farm. Mm -hmm. We didn't even have a tractor. We had horses and a plow. So I grew up like most people's grandparents did, you know. Um, so, you know, plowing, plowing the fields with two horses before you went to school kind of thing. And then when, after you came from, from school, you, you, you're back to plowing the fields. So, uh, but then this chemical thing was really, really bad. And I looked at my dad at one point, and I said, you know, growing food shouldn't hurt. And we, you know, I said, this is, this Incredible. is, this is something wrong here. But the so food, would, but the food's growing. Are you, I mean, is the farm more productive? Are you selling, is it, is it more profitable as a result of this? Or? Well, I mean, when you looked at it over a period of years, and this is how, how, how the chemical stuff works, right? So it's, it's like if you're really tired and you drink a cup of coffee, you, you get extra energy. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean you're not tired anymore. Yeah, there's a yin and a yang. Right, so if you, if, you, if you keep on drinking that coffee to keep getting that energy, but instead you need nutritional food mm -hmm. to sustain your body, your immune system slowly goes to hell. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. Let's let's look at That's it right. that way. And and it, when the immune system goes to hell, you get diseases. So if you <coughs> if you compare that to to the chemical farming, if you keep on adding those chemicals slowly, surely, or in some cases fast, depending on what pesticides are being used, you are killing off all your microbiology. Mm -hmm. <coughs> that microbiology, <coughs> excuse me, in in the soil keeps the soil aerated. Keeps, keeps the cycle of life going. Basically, one eats the other, you know, the, the, the transmutation from, from, from plant, getting the sun, excreting sugars out, attracting bacteria around their root system. Other bacteria eat those. They discrete the amount of ammonia, which turns into nitrogen, and all of that stuff happens, mm -hmm. right? You, you basically kill that with using those chemicals. So slowly, surely, in order to grow what you are growing, you need to keep m using more and more chemicals. Right. And you're getting more and more diseases because there's nothing to combat it anymore. It's all, so it's then they come up yeah, with all these... <laughs> yeah, then, then they come up with all these solutions from one chemical to the next. This will kill this disease. This will kill mm -hmm. this disease. It's, it's like if you're getting sick because you're only drinking coffee and eating Twinkies... And you go like, oh my God, maybe I'm eating the wrong Twinkies. No, right. like, no, you're not getting the nutrition here, you know. And and that's why you're getting the diseases. But what's happening in, in throughout, especially in America, is is everybody is sick all the time, and it, because there is no nutritional value in the food, mm -hmm. right? So they you get diseases, and then you then they come up with all the pills to so-called heal you. Well, there is absolutely no way in the world that they want to heal you. The, 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 
the pharmaceutical business is over a six hundred billion business. No, they're very invested in people staying and getting yeah, sick and, of course. and, and remaining they have, sick. Yeah, so. they have no yeah, I never thought about that, but it really is analogous to. I mean, it you, you know, we're addicted to all these pharmaceuticals. I, I saw right. some stat the other day, like sixty-five percent of uh, of people are on prescription medication 70 percent 70 percent as of right now are on on prescriptions so what and one what, begets another and then you have to take another to treat this and they're all they're all basically symptom based yes um, and they're symptom based so what, I'm, what that's what i was saying mm-hmm. so instead of going to the origin of the problem you you're trying to subdue the results of the problem. So if you have nat- naturopathic uh, medicine, that goes to the origin of the problem. So like, mm-hmm. okay, where is it really coming from? If you have a headache all the time, is it your head or is there something wrong with your liver? Right? So you go to right. the liver, you go like, oops, liver needs cleaning, headache gone. You know, and right. that's what, what real medicine is all about. And real growing of, of nutritional food is, is the same. But to get back to this farming thing with all the chemicals, so we actually stopped using these chemicals on the farm. And, and you I convinced said, your dad, or how did that go? Well, it was my brother, my, my, my sister, who are a year older than I am, they're twins, and, and it was the three of us who basically said, you know, this is no good. Mm-hmm. We, 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 <laughs> we used to do just fine, what's the problem, you know? Wisdom from the children. Yeah, and but, but, but the old man goes, you know, yeah, well, yeah, you know. I said, well, plus, you're using more every year to get the same results. How long is this going to last? At that point in time, I didn't really know anything about microbiology or anything like that. I had no clue. But I did know that if I went to the fields with my father, he would just take a handful of soil and smell it. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm a little kid, you know, I'm four years old, and you go like, okay, why is he smelling the soil? So I would grab a handful of soil and, and smell it. Mm-hmm. It's the scent of the soil that will tell you how healthy it is. Because if you, have, if you go to a forest and you, 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 you go into the duff mm-hmm. and you smell that, mm-hmm. it has a particular scent to it. And it's, it's, it's a real fungal-dominated scent. Right. If you go to a, a, a field where you're growing vegetables, it has a different scent. It's sweeter mm. because it's more bacteria-oriented and not fungal-oriented. So you have difference. So you have the fungi, you have you know, all these different guys that do all their different work. And so I didn't know about all of that, but I did know that when the soil smelled right, or when I didn't. And as we kept on using the chemicals, that scent started to go away. And my, my dad, he got that part. He goes like, damn, it just doesn't smell the same anymore. Right. I'm going like, yeah, the stuff is, if it's, if it's making my fingers bleed around the fingernails, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so what right. the hell is it doing in the soil? Wow. You know? And we're growing food on this. Something That's is incredible. really wrong with this picture. And we stopped. We stopped using chemicals, and so all of a sudden we were called, and, and you know, probably one of the first, if not the first, organic farm in Holland, because we stopped using chemicals. Right. And and before that you weren't called an organic farm. Before that you were just a farmer, right? right. right. Everybody was just farming, and now all of a sudden it, it's you are an organic farm or a non-organic farm. What I see for the future is that it will just become farming again. That day will come. 
where it just becomes farming. It's not called organic or non-organic. It's simply how life is supposed to be. So you yeah, think so you're, you're, you're optimistic that we're heading in the right direction, you know, irrespective of corporate, you know, interests and factory, yeah, because the they, factory they farming will, behemoths and all of yeah. this that's going on. They will, they will hang themselves. I mean, they're already in the process of that, right? I mean, you, you can't sustain what they're doing. It, it comes to, to, to a breaking point. If your soil flows away in the winter when it rains and it blows away in the summer when it's dry, and there is only one thing that keeps that together from happening, and that's your microbiology. They form a glue. So if you look, I have a good uh, uh, um, uh, video. It's called Life in the Soil, and it's actually taken by a Japanese farming community and they used $250,000 microscopes and filmed all this stuff mm -hmm. which you cannot barely wow. you cannot see with your bare eyes and it really goes into what's really happening in that soil live and what really happens when you use these chemicals it's it's a no-brainer at that point in time and so so this is the good part, and, and these, these videos, and I've gotten permission to use them in my talks and, and things like that, as long as I don't charge for them. You know, so it's, right. it's we'll, put, uh, we'll put links up to some of these videos in the show notes. But, yeah. I mean, if you, you know, look at kind of what's going on right now, and you educate yourself, and you watch Food Inc., and you kind of have a general sense of what's going on, it's pretty clear that the system is very entrenched and the mm -hmm. lobbying groups and the corporate interests, et cetera, are, are, you know, extremely powerful, yeah. um, hold sway over everything. There's a, there's a seamless integration between these interests and government policy. <laughs> and, and that is quite, you know, that's quite a, a, uh, aircraft carrier to turn around. Right. So, but <coughs> where is this, where, you know, like, where is it going in the short run and where is it going in the long run? Well, in the short run, it's disastrous. In the long run, it's, uh, if you, if, if what, what just happened in California, <coughs> you know, with, with, with getting the labeling on GMO thing happening. Right. right? So just for the listener, um, if you're in California, you're probably aware of this and, and I've been talking about it a lot and tweeting about it a lot, but prop 37, um, was on the ballot uh, was on the ballot this year, and it was a measure that simply uh, it was a pro information uh, measure. Basically, all it said was, uh, if it passed, that uh, food manufacturers would be required to label their products as to whether they contained GMOs, genetically modified organisms, or not. And right. it seems to me to be a no-brainer. Um, it it doesn't even need to get into the ills or the pros or the cons of GMOs, it's just a right to know thing. Right. And yet uh, the, you know, Monsanto and these other behemoths were able to, you know, spend enough money and lobby successfully enough to defeat this measure, which is extraordinary to me. I can't, it, it, the good <laughs> news is it created a dialogue around this issue, mm -hmm. which is very important. And, you know, we're sitting here talking about it today. So that's yeah. a good thing. Uh, but the fact that it didn't pass is is was really shocking. It's actually shocking. It was shocking yeah. to yeah. me, and uh, and so I want to get into GMOs and and yeah. what you know what is a GMO? You know, is it bad? Is it good? Um, well, you know, for, first first. But let let's me, backtrack. I don't want. Yeah, yeah, I, want, yeah, I, yeah. I, I didn't mean to interrupt your train of thought. What 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 what's happening? If they are spending forty million dollars 
right, in, 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 in advertising, right, that means they're scared, mm -hmm. okay? So that hasn't happened before. Right, it's definitely an indication of running scared, and there, this is exactly. going on, we were talking about this before the show, uh, and also I tweeted about it like two days ago, the uh, Dairy Council is in a similar position right now, where uh, you know they're they're seeing dwindling market shares for milk products, as a result of people you know wanting to get healthier and mm -hmm. being more interested in almond milk and coconut milk and rice milk and hemp milk and soy milk and the like. I mean, I remember even a couple of years ago, if you went to the you you would have to go to a, a health food store or you know or Whole Foods in order to find these alternative milks. Now you go to Ralph's or any like basically in the States, like a typical grocery store, and they have, you know, they have these products. Yeah, so readily available. It's definitely, but. there is something going on, and people are interested in this, and it's, mm -hmm. it's eating into their market share in a big way. So exactly. they've launched a couple campaigns. Um, the second one just came out uh, this past week, and I'll put a link up in the show notes. If you just go to gotmilk.com, um, it's a very crafty uh, uh, marketing message that is trying to dissuade people from... <laughs> from drinking these nut milks and trying to convince them that it's imitation milk and what are, it's what are not they the real thing. And, well, it takes you through this kind of real fun, um, kind of retro uh, sort of the way it used cartoonish. To be. Yeah, yeah, like, let's, well, yeah, how do you explain it? It's sort of like those old educational films when you were a kid, like in the 50s. Like, it has right. a very 50s vibe, like, you know you know, in the imitation milks, guess what's in there? And they try to make it sound like these things that are in these milks are, are bad for you and, and all these chemicals and all that kind of stuff. Um, but they don't really turn the, turn the microscope on themselves. And the truth of the matter is if you just put almonds and water in a Vitamix, you've got almond milk. So it's that simple. <laughs> yeah. but, but, but anyway, sorry, but, I, but I interrupted you right. again. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, the amount of what they need to do now and what they're trying to do to counter what the people want. Mm -hmm. So if we, if we have programs like this, and, and, and there's many, you know, where people are talking about it, and, and some people might know, you know, have seen a light flickering somewhere, but they don't know exactly where it's about, you know, they can listen to programs like this where people come on and say, okay, this is really what's happening. So the reason I say it, 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 it might be a positive thing, but all hell will break loose before it happens, is because we're on the edge of, of that razor's edge where, where our society will either go one way or the other, and, or, or some of this society will go down and the others you know, go into the future on a completely different level of consciousness. So that also has to play with it. It's not just all the pros and the cons of this and that. There is, a, there is a consciousness that is happening where people are getting more aware. As that grows, they will fail. There is no other option because it, because it doesn't click with nature. Mm -hmm. You know, like what, what, what I said in my talk too, you know, if a book and nature don't agree, throw away the book because... <laughs> Basically, right. you know, it, 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 it doesn't function. And once people understand that what's going on, and if, you, if you're out there and you're popping pills left, right, and center because of every disease known to mankind that is harassing you, your family, and your friends, you might just stop and think, how in the world is that possible? Why wasn't this happening 60 years ago? 
right? Mm -hmm. Why why all of a sudden the one in in, in in every four Americans dies of cancer? That's an epidemic, mm -hmm. <laughs> and nobody talks about it. And you know, and there's cures that come available, and then those people are harassed. You know, like using hemp in mm -hmm. oil mm -hmm. for for fighting cancer, and. These are amazing things that are happening, but they're all being subdued. So they're waging a war, so to speak. You know, and they're putting an enormous amount of money into that war to keep their bureaucracy and their 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 pocketbook alive. And that's what's going on. And it will, you know. So I'm saying it it will fail. It's just right. a matter of time. Well, know. and I think it's that's why, uh, you know, it's all the more incumbent upon the consumer to vote with their dollar, um, right. like we talked about with when we had Chris Jabe on the show the other day, and also uh, mediums, you know, like this show. You know, I mean, for example, you know, it is becoming increasingly more and more problematic to re rely on mainstream conventional media for your information because they are as conglomerized as any oh. big company, and, you know, there are a lot of vested interests in... In controlling, you know, the informa mm -hmm. the flow of information and right. the news that we receive, and you know, podcasts and the technology and the internet and all the resources that are available to us are almost like radio-free Europe. I mean, you really need to, um, right. you know, you got to seek it out and you got to want it. And you got to, you know, find mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. But we're in an amazing place. Uh, we have an amazing opportunity to to truly educate ourselves um, well beyond you know, kind of what's in the textbook and, you know, what we what we tune into on, you know, the nightly news on one of the three or four major broadcast yeah. networks. And so, you know, it's I think that, that, you know, it's great to be able to, I mean, l listen, you're not going to, you know, Peter Jennings or 60 Minutes is not going to have you on to tell your story, right? And so, but we have this opportunity here where, you know, I'm going to let you talk for as long as you want to talk and speak the truth. And hopefully, you know, we can we can start to, tip that scale a little bit because mm -hmm. I think that because these interests are so powerful there is a groundswell of public interest in change but until it reaches a certain condensation point like a tipping point you the know, tent monkey going to change tent exactly we have to keep uh, keep spreading the, the word and keep connecting and keep reaching out but I think people are ready to take responsibility for their for themselves you mm -hmm. know and stop listening to some organization or a government or some uh, something they were they've been told their whole life. So well, yeah. I mean, you look at you look at at, at these so-called elections and stuff like that. It's it's it's, it's just a freak show. You know, <laughs> let's face it. And I don't care who's running for that matter. You know, they're, they're all crooks as far as I'm concerned. But you know, I've had my dealings with the government over the years. You know, and I I know what's what takes place. The f the f the fact that people need to understand is. You do not become president of the United States without paying the piper. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. absolutely. And that's just a fact, you know. So it's either the unions are paying a guy's way in with, with the chemical companies, like Monsanto, and they are feeding them the money. Now, what do you think that means? 
they have to return That's the right, favor. Exactly. So all of a sudden, you, you got somebody from the south running the, the Food and Drug Administration. I mean, and you know, and you and you all think that Obama is the the, the saving grace and and the change. Right. Well, you know, he says well, he's for change, but he never said what kind of change. Right. Exactly. You know, so and might, I think he's, it might be taking you right into the, in, in, into the dungeons. It's true. He's well intentioned, and you know, I think that he, you, you know, in his first campaign, I think he was genuine, but I think that. The the system is so entrenched. There's, there, he doesn't really have, that, you know, that much control over changing that many things. I mean, if you I look just, at all the things <coughs> he wanted to do and what he actually was able to accomplish, you know. I mean, it's true, but if you did, for me, I just always simplify it down, and it's exactly, you know, what we've been talking about this morning. It's like, it's about what ingredients do you begin with? Yeah. Like, what are the ingredients that produce the energy? Whether it's soil, whether mm -hmm. it's food, or whether it's an organization or a government or a political party. Right. So yeah. it's like. You can't make an amazing soup with, with you know, spoiled food. No. You just can't. No, and so no matter how much you no, pray it, to it. No or matter how much <laughs> spice much you, you put in, no. it's not going to be it's good. It's going to be a bad soup. So it's about taking that awareness to sort of the purity. And I mean, what touches me so deeply sitting here with you. And I mean, I could spend hours with you. And just this is such an honor to have you here and to be well, able to you. have this conversation. Is just the, the, uh, the sort of connection to the soil as a as a pure uh model of our own connection to life it's your intuition see like like i'm i'm i might as well spill the beans you know i was i had just turned 15 for like three days which was my last day in school ever that was it <laughs> never went back <laughs> um and the one of the reasons were first of all i couldn't learn where the darn and I couldn't figure out what they were talking about most of the time. <laughs> and because I, I lived in my world, and in my world, everything functioned. The animals functioned with me, the, the, the plants functioned with me, and I'm going like, and I had no idea what they were actually talking about most of the time. And, uh, and what I do now in my talks, you know, I tell people, you know, it's, it's about intuition. You know, so, so all my soils and the fertilizers that we came up with and all the, the goodies I do are all based on intuition. I will sit somewhere and some, something will come to me and I go, ah. And then it takes me literally five minutes to do the actual so-called invention but it takes five years to prove it, you know, <laughs> right. because you have That's to go to all else. the scientific. So right. when I was telling you before, you know, we have this book called Soil Dynamics, and so we developed all these erosion control soils that will stay on extremely steep slopes, and it can pour down rain, and it will not erode. And with, even without growth on it, you can watch, watch our, our, our videos on that. And people say, oh, well, so what's the secret ingredient? There has to be that pill, right? right. Mm -hmm. And it's not a pill. It's a balance between all things that mm -hmm. make it work because that's what nature has been doing for the last millions and millions of years. So all I'm really doing is listening to nature and, and then applying modern technology to speed up the process. Mm. So, you know, if, if we put that soil down, that, you know, if, if I'm on a steep slope and it had a landslide, for instance, well, that soil took tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of years to get there. Mm -hmm. It takes nature an enormous long time to build up a really healthy soil layer. It's, it's like it, you might get like half a millimeter a year 
if you're in a really healthy place. Because you might see leaves there and the leaves are like, like a foot thick on the ground. Mm -hmm. But once they start de to decompose, you literally have no more than half a millimeter, if that. So if you start counting, if you have a region that has, say, a foot, two feet of topsoil, mm -hmm. start doing the math, how long that took to get there. So if we start messing with nature, where we don't have the microbiology to hold stuff together, we run, have water running off in the wrong places because we, we, we do too much hardscapes, we have chemicals, we have pesticides, we have buildings, we have streets, we have the creeks are contaminated and everything else, it ends up in, in one major disaster after another. So what happens is when we go to one of these places and we blow our soil back on these steep slopes, what we're basically doing is, is doing in one day what it would take nature tens and tens of thousands of years to do. Right. You are listening to this podcast because you care about improving your health and your well-being. But this quest is incomplete if you have yet to add my friend Dr. Rangan Chatterjee's Feel Better, Live More podcast into your listening quiver. An RRP favorite and someone I'm personally quick to call when I'm in need of good advice. From nutrition to mindset, fitness, and relationships, each episode is packed with the tools you need to become the architect of your health. Subscribe to Feel Better, Live More, available wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. There are certain rare people who have a powerful voice and know how to use it. My friend Amanda Decadene is one such human. The podcast is called The Conversation because it is the conversation, a groundbreaking series of raw and honest exchanges on the issues that matter most, mental health, sex, politics, ambition, gender roles, and more. Listen to The Conversation wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. There is so much health information out there. It can feel overwhelming and leave even the most well-intentioned confused about what's what and who to trust. Well, the first person that I call when I'm seeking clarity is my friend and nutrition expert, Simon Hill, host of the fantastic podcast, The Proof. Each week, Simon matches wits with brilliant scientists, translating their evidence-based insights into actionable tools for better well-being. Subscribe to The Proof, available wherever you get your podcasts, and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. So just so people are clear, uh, Hendrikas has a company called Hendrikas Organics, <coughs> hendrikasorganics.com, where you can find out all about uh, what he's doing. There's a lot of great information there. But essentially, uh, essentially what you do is you offer organic fertilizers and soil rejuvenation programs, and you will go to a site like you just described and right. help to repair the damage that has been done by you know whatever was there before, right? To help, right. help the soil get back to the natural state and the balance that, that right. it needs to flourish. Yeah. And whether that's on a farm or whether that's on a steep slope or it doesn't really matter, you know what I mean? It all has its own characteristics and, and, and soil should be abundant so you could grow high nutritional food in it. 
you know, not just organics. You know, I've, I've eaten organics that don't taste very good. Mm -hmm. And why? Because it might not have chemical fertilizers or sprays, but the, the nutrition isn't, the, the balance isn't in the soil for the plant to uptake the necessary nutrition. So, so I, I believe in high nutritional organics, not just organic. That gets into a whole thing that I think people are really wanting clarity on, which is, you know, the average consumer goes to the store and says, I know I'm supposed to buy organic, but, you know, it's more expensive. Is it really that different? And is there, and there's been a lot of debate about, you know, whether, yes, something that's <laughs> organic doesn't have the pesticides in it if it's properly labeled, because there's a lot of misuse of that label oh, yeah. and confusion around that as well. There's a lot of manipulation there. But let's just presume for the sake of this conversation, something, there's a, you know, there's a banana that's purely organic, and then there's a conventionally farmed banana. And there's been a lot of debate over whether the organic banana actually has more nutritional value. And there's studies going back and forth on that. But what you're saying essentially is, it's unclear because it depends on whether that organic soil is properly composed to allow the, the food that's growing out of it to absorb the minerals properly and incorporate that into the blossomed fruit or whatever. You got it. That's, that's about the Yeah, the so it's not an easy answer. You don't, just because it's organic, you don't know. You, it's, yeah. it's a much more complicated so, thing. Than <clears throat> yeah, so what, what, what the best thing to do is, you know, like if you have a, a big grower, you know, like we're, we're selling our... our our fertilizer to, to Al in California. He's, uh, he's not too far from San Francisco, and he's got a 158-acre fruit orchard, you know, mm -hmm. fruit uh, farm. And he was already really high on his BRICS testing. So if, if anybody wants to know BRICS testing, BRICS testing, in short, the simple version is it, it shows the sugars in your fruit, your vegetables, etc. So, the higher the, the the sugar content, that means the more nutrition. Mm -hmm. That's where it's based on. So, so a, a larger firm can do the BRICS testing, and they can they can see right there and then what their nutritional value is, right? So, if you and you with your mouth can do the other one, you can right. you can you can you can <laughs> take a tomato or a strawberry or whatever else. And take one that's chemically grown, take one that's organic, and take one that's organic, and, and try them all. And then when, you, when your taste bud go like, wow, mm -hmm. this is the one. The smell is right, the taste is right. Your taste buds don't lie, right? So, so do you think that's a reliable indicator, you think, the, ta the, the taste? Like well, of course. Yeah. That's why we all, you know, like we, we have to start understanding something in this world. We have become so reliant on, 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 on technical equipment and so-called science, right? We've been living, mankind and animals have been living on this planet for a long, long time. There was no labs a couple of hundred years ago. <laughs> there was no scientific <laughs> books. There was no, how did those people know what was good for them? Mm -hmm. They knew because they, they still listened. They still had the intuition. They didn't need all the proof. The proof was in the pudding. You eat that apple, the proof is in the pudding. If it tastes like wax, it looks like an apple, it shines like an apple, but it don't taste like one, 
like go figure because it's it, it has no nutritional value then you go in and get an apple somewhere that is just juicy and sweet and you go like wow now that's the apple i remember from when i was a kid so so your taste buds don't lie so instead of having to read all these books all the time you know or 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 do a, do the arm testing with with your with your partner or with you with your friends you know, hold one in one hand and, and, and do the arm testing. Your muscles will be stronger if it's the right stuff versus the wrong stuff. It's a simple, there's so Very many simple, simple ways of, of right. testing yeah, we, stuff. Well, we had this experience. We stayed, when Rich raced uh, last year for uh, Ultraman, we were on Big Island and we stayed in this farm uh, in Javi. Mm -hmm. And we were, I was cooking right out of the ground. So I just walk a couple steps, pick you know, whatever I yeah. wanted to, and cook. We were having like mm, vitamin amazing. K overload. Like it, <laughs> like one kale leaf. We were just, you know, completely maxed. out. I mean, out. yeah, we would we buy you know organic kale from the farmers market in California or from Whole Foods or whatever, and and we would use that in our salads and in our Vitamix mm -hmm. blends or whatever, and it's good and all that. But it was yeah, literally like, like one kale leaf out of this ground. You know, and you were like, "Whoa, that's enough!" You know, it's like, like it was enough. Like, like, like <laughs> exactly. back off on the vitamin so, kale. So, but, and then also at Common Ground, same thing. So right. we're having the same experience. So is that just the island? Is it? It's the soil. It's the island weather. Like the speak balance. More well, to I mean, obviously, it's it's nice. You can grow stuff twelve months out of the year here. You know, <laughs> this is the, the best part of it. Right. But but to get back on 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 this 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 tasting and and how this all functions, if you if you're killing your soil, it can't possibly grow stuff the way you... you. I, I got a good story. I, I went to China. I was invited, you know, by the, the uh, delegation of the Chinese government. And I traveled around China for like six weeks with the former secretary of the chairman of China. And we went to all these regions. I mean, talking about hustling, you know, we, I was all over China, we're a tourist and never go. And uh, looking at farmland. And they would put feasts up for me, like you wouldn't believe. I mean, you know, I was like treated like a god. And, and they had these big dinners. And I don't eat a lot. Mm -hmm. I don't need it. I ate like a horse there. I mean, literally, and I was always hungry. Why? Because the food looked like food, but it had nothing in it. And the reason I was in China is to, to look at, at the devastation of soils. That's why they traveled me all through China. And w I encountered thousands of acres that looked like the salt flats. They had salt on top of the farm soil. They See, what, what also happened, everybody has to understand, when, when something gets banned in America, for instance, you know, like, like a chemical, these guys don't, sure, okay, well, damn, you know, can't do it in America anymore. They just ship it to <laughs> China, China right. to India, to wherever else, and start pounding it on the ground. <coughs> so they were using three times the amount of, of urea, which is a chemical nitrogen, than, than they were doing in the States. And basically, they destroyed their wells. They couldn't pump anything but salt water, and they were going four or 500 feet deep. Mm -hmm. Wow. Right? And, and I told them, I said, there is only one way you are going to get rid of that salt. And that is you stop with your chemical fertilizers right now and you have to find organic matter to put in here. 
well, we're in China, and and you know when I was there, and I, I would, I'm constantly going, what's wrong here? What's wrong? There's something missing. No birds. No really? Birds. It's like they either all been killed by the pesticides or eaten. Interesting. And 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 so <laughs> there was a whole like factor missing out of life there. It's like there was no birds. I'm going like, wow. Wow. This is disastrous. The 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 the, the, the rivers look like sewers. Uh, uh, the land was completely depleted. So in order for them to grow that food, they would just pound more nitrogen mm -hmm. on there so they could get food to grow. Mm -hmm. It was basically growing straight off of the chemical. So there was no nutritional uptake. So you could eat like a horse, and you were still hungry. You know. So. So you see how that works. And they wanted, to, they wanted the golden pill to go and fix this because they have over, you know, God knows how many billions of people sitting there. And sooner or later, people are going to start dying off because of starvation, you know. And in America, the funny part is we have like, what is it now, 60-some-odd percent is obese, mm -hmm. but they're malnutritioned. Right, and I think it gets... It's like, yeah. like, like malnutrition, be, obese right. people. Right. Now. Here it is, yeah, like, I want to talk about that. So it's sort of like, <laughs> you know, are we, uh, you know, yeah, are we hungry or are we fat? You know, and it's like, we're both, we're right? Both. Like, we're both. Well, we're hungry not and we're us fat. Here, but yeah. It, you know what? Like, we have this epidemic of obesity and we have an epidemic of malnutrition and hunger. And, yeah. and that is a, the most bizarre, freakish thing, right? But it goes back to something that you said that I want to go back to, which is... Um, this idea that, you know, you said, uh, I don't eat very much because, you know, you're eating these foods and they, they you know, they sate you, they sustain you. And you yeah. go to China and you're eating, eating like crazy and you're always hungry. And it goes, and, and the reason for that, obviously, is nutritional density. And I don't yeah. think that the subject of nutritional density is addressed enough. There's a lot of talk about, you know, in, in the sort of health and weight loss and diet world, you mm -hmm. know, there's always talk about, uh, calorie restriction and your proportion of carbs to fats to to protein, et cetera. And people get really, you know, into that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And yet they're not talking about nutritional density. And I think that you can sort of, you know, in my opinion, you can forget about, uh, you know, all these proportions and you can, you know, let go of, of worrying about, you know, your calorie count if you just focus on eating right nutrient-dense yeah. foods. And when you Done. do that... You don't have to eat that much because your body will tell you, that's it. I'm that's done. It. I'm I done. I've had enough. Thank you. Yeah. And like, when I'm I'm happy. Happy. <laughs> no, when I eat nutrient-dense foods, my cravings and my hunger go down and I feel good. Right. And when you're eating nutrient-poor foods, you can be putting a lot of calories in you. You'll feel full and lousy for you know an hour or two, and then you're going to be hungry again. Exactly. Because your body is saying, you haven't fed me. Yes. Ha I am lacking the nutrition that I need to function properly. And again, you do not need a book for that. No. <laughs> your body will tell you. You just have to... Yeah. You have to... You have what, to know wrong? yourself. But the thing exactly. is, the thing is, and this goes, you know, to another thing. Sorry, I keep interrupting no, no. you. <laughs> go, go, go ahead. But, uh, you know, we're disconnected from our bodies. You know, we're, we're sort of plugged into, you know... Uh, you know, er, a fast-paced urban society. It's like, get up in the morning, have a cup of coffee, got to get in the car and go to the job. And, and, and so we're focused on all these externalities. And, and so we've gotten away from being acquainted with ourselves enough to even begin to listen, let alone trust what our bodies are telling us. And so our bodies, alarm bells will be going off in our bodies, and then we just reach for 
you know, whatever thing to kind of make that go away or feel better in the short well, run. Well, it's just like, like, like the earth that we live on, we've created imbalance. We have the imbalance within us, and it all is because all of a sudden we, we are technologically rich but spiritually poor. So if you, if you, again, there needs to be mm -hmm. a balance. East needs to meet West. Right. And, and, and the balance is in everything. You know, when, when, when I look at the work we do, you know, like, and you say, oh, I have this organic company. But actually what we have is, is my main part of what I do is extremely creative. I, I create landscapes, you know, I create living spaces. And these living spaces, when I'm done with it, they have to give an aha moment when you walk into them. That is also food for the soul. That's also food for the body. It's not just food. It's, it's everything. It, it's all interconnected. So in, in our society right now, all the schools tunnel vision into a particular thing. He's a scientist, he's a welder, he's a truck driver, he's a carpenter, and nobody knows anything from each other's world. Mm -hmm. Bad scene. Because that never used to happen. If you were a farmer way back when, and you needed to fix something, you better know how to be a carpenter also. You better know how to, how to be able to lay a brick. You better know how to, how to be able to, to, to fix a piece of equipment or, or, or know when your horse was sick. It's like... You know, you had to be multi-talented. So you had to put your feelers out in all different directions all the time. But it was a natural phenomenon because that's what life expected from you. If you start cutting that off and you, you, you drum this garbage into these kids in their so-called schools that, that don't teach them really anything except the tunnel vision... Where is the balance? You don't have a balance. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I deal with architects, I deal with engineers, I deal, and it's cookie cut. Everything, everybody's gone to school, they get a PhD, whatever that might mean. And, and, and so now they are an expert. No, you're not an expert. You basically learned a format, and that format has been in place for X amount of time. And frankly, folks, a lot of these formats are wrong. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you have to wake up and smell the coffee because it doesn't work. If, if, if you have different regions, you have different soil conditions, you have different wildlife habitat, you, you have to pay attention to these things in order to make your world function in the place you live. You know, if you take an area and you move into that area to go live as a human... You have to have respect for what's around you so you can work with it, not against it. It's not, it's not an enemy, right? But this is how things are viewed. It becomes the enemy, and it's not the enemy. It's just the challenge of life. And, and I think that's pretty much what's happening. If, if, if schools would actually educate people in, 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 in both learning things and using their intuition, you would have a balanced school. Absolutely. And I think in the future, because this one is failing miserably, by the way, this, this, this process Agreed. we're into now, in the future, that is how balance is going to happen. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, within your creativity, I mean, you're really talking a lot about this intuition. So right. the intuition is listening, listening, being aware, you know, being conscious, actually 
you know, taking a minute to, to yeah. stop. And it's really the answer is not in the mind. The answer, you know, the, the answer is really in your heart. Yes. And, yeah. and how you function. Yeah. And, and, you know, you, you, love, you love the rock work I do and stuff like that. Absolutely. Right? And people go, insane. how do you do that? I'm going like, well, the rocks tell me where they want to go. No, but let me just take, it, <laughs> let me just take this opportunity you know, they do. to just say that as a designer and artist and as also a, a being who is uh, very connected to intuition and very into the flow of things, uh, when I came upon uh, your extraordinary uh, work at uh, Chris Jabe's house, I, I said, I think this is the most beautiful pool and landscaping I have ever seen in my life. And uh, you're just extraordinary. You're very tapped in. You have an amazing ability to work in harmony with nature and all the natural elements and bring this sort of simplistic, just iconic beauty to Integra what you're doing. You know, it's integrated and in harmony yeah, with the environment. It's not incredible. Dis not disruptive uh, to you know what was there before. And... We'll put up uh, we'll put up a link in the show notes to some pictures of some of your work. That you've yeah, done. I cool. mean, there's yeah. some yeah some amazing stuff. Is he really is an artist? Um, it's really cool. But also getting back to uh, what you were talking about education and learning, and you know our system is set up so that we're focused upon um, you know absorbing an incredible amount of information in a short period of time and then regurgitating it on a test and sort of then forgetting about it and moving on. <laughs> And, and I feel you know, every test I ever yeah. did, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> whatever you're studying, and you know, I'm a product of of this system, and but but I think whatever you're studying, you know, yeah, it's like you said, there's a format, and you're learning a program, and sometimes that, um, it, and then when you sort of complete that and and go into the world with your you know quote unquote level of expertise, that can create a closed mindedness, or there's mm -hmm. an ego attachment to that, saying you know I did this, so I know, and you don't. And I think that we would all be better served if our education system put a greater emphasis on 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 uh, the the on how to think and how to how to critically approach problems and how to look at at, at a situation expansively and how to challenge authority and you know create um, you know people who are who are self-sustaining and able to to uh, have the gumption I guess to mm -hmm to take a look at something and say, this isn't right or that isn't right, as opposed to just repeating a program, yeah. repeating it. And what does your heart tell you? You know, I mean, you know, we, we, we can't separate ourselves. I mean, you, you, your, your gut, your, your heart, I mean, everything comes in here. You know, does it feel right? Does it not feel right? Start to listen to that again, you know? People go, well, I have this premonition. Well, good. <laughs> Use it. <laughs> Activate it. Delve into it because you will get more and more of it, and that will is part of you, and you will actually feel when it's right or when it's wrong, and and sometimes you know like I have a no flow day, you know I'm setting my rocks and and the rock doesn't go want to go in, and he, the rock will definitely give me one hell of a hard time. He's <laughs> like I go like oops sorry <clears throat> I was not flowing right now. It's like better put that rock aside. Just doesn't want to go there, right? It's like what was I thinking? You know, I was trying to take control, and that was not good. Rock says, no, that's not my spot. I'll come later. And so I've learned to trust that. And then you it, 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 it wants to be beautiful, 
You know, the world wants to be beautiful. It's just us that is like fighting it tooth and nails. Like, no, we want it ugly. You know? <laughs> like, but yet, as a society, we have accepted the fact that that's normal. So when you're so-called normal, right, you throw the people that have vision into the nut house because mm -hmm. they're too scary for you because they're all over the map and you can't handle that. You need somebody who stays focused, you know, and, but focused in the wrong way. We're not talking focused about life. We're talking focused about what works for your corporations or, or for, your, for your politics or for your religion. And, and, and that's not it, you know. I mean, don't, don't follow these things. I mean, follow yourself, you know. Just listen what, what, what right. it says. And, and that counts for all these things, you know. And since we're talking the whole thing about the organics and the taste and the buds and, you know, your fingertips are, are sensors, you know, when you, when you grab that soil and you smell it and you feel it in your hand, if, if you start trusting all of that stuff, it will start telling you things. It really does. There, and everybody, everybody can do this. I mean, I, you know, when I was a little kid and, 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 you know, we were on the farm and my grandpa was dousing for a well, you know, because we needed to dig a well for, for getting water to our cows. And uh, so I was just a little kid, and I'm going like, wow, this looks pretty awesome, you know. And, and I go, can I do this, you know? He goes, oh, yeah. he was kind of a grumpy guy. And he hands me the, 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 the willow sticks, and I'm walking around, and bingo, right? They go, and he goes, well, that means you can do it. He took things, things back, and that was the end of it. You know, I'm going like, wow, you know, this is, this is cool stuff. So I, uh, and later on, I didn't do much with it for a long time. And then I started really getting into it. And, and so I douse for wells. I, I douse on maps for people, you know. I call it long-distance dousing. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> because your energy is on the map. You know, like if you would send me a map from California, you, and you say, hey, I, I want to I do something on my property, and I want to know where my power points or power spots are or... or or if there's water, or if there's ores I have to be careful of because I don't want to be sleeping on them and get myself a tumor later on. All of the above, which our ancestors commonly did, which is normal. They sense these type of things. Now it's called something special, but it's not special. So, but I'm kind of a speed freak, so these little little two sticks thing wasn't working very well for me because you know I want to I want to move right so I got myself this dousing rod it's about two feet long and it's a single dousing rod so I can actually run with it and, and it will give me my signals and uh, and I use a pendulum and, and things like that on, on, on drawings or, or also on, on the land and you just simply become a channel to where that is. It's not you doing it, you're just opening yourself up to be a channel to do the dowsing, right? Then you can, you, can, you can do the body, the etheric body, you can check for diseases. You, so the dowsing goes a lot further than just looking for water. Mm -hmm. And most people are familiar with somebody looking for water. But it goes much, much further than that. I mean, and there is some really amazing dowsers on this planet, you know? I worked in Arizona uh, and there's an old American Indian guy. He didn't use a stick. He didn't use a rod. I go, God, this guy is awesome. He would just walk, and he would just stop, and he goes, here. And it's like, 
wow, this is pretty cool. I can't do that one, you know? I mean, so he but down, went, just so, do, if people don't know, uh, dousing is where you, when you're looking for water underneath the soils. You, well, you that's those, one of those the two things. rods that are like at a right angle, right? And they right. Kind of move There's back numerous different ways. Yeah, it's either two copper rods or you can use like willow sticks because willow is connected to water, right? Willow, water, because they always grow where the water is. So you use the willow sticks, they're already more tuned into water than, than using a, a juniper stick, for instance. See, uh, copper also, because copper, why do we use copper on our roofs to ground into the earth? Because it's one of these grounding type of things. So you, you can use the, 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 the copper rods very, very easy. And, and, you know, everybody can do this. It's just, it just takes a little bit of patience sometimes. And, and, and don't make it a mind thing. <laughs> like, don't make it a mind fuck. Don't think about it. No. I mean, you know, when, <laughs> I, when, when I went to the pyramids and I doused the pyramids, you know, I mean, it's, it's... Don't make it a mind thing. Let it come. And even no matter how strange it is, mm -hmm. because that's, you know, the pyramids were a good one. You know, that was, a, that was you know, whew, wow. You know, and, you know, I have a whole story on the pyramids. I wrote a booklet <laughs> at one point, but I didn't put it out because, you know, I'm this artist, businessman, you know, and I need to keep my company need going. To keep focused. Yeah, yeah, well, to a point where everybody thought, oh, this guy is totally freaked out and he's nuts. <laughs> and uh, th this is not how the pyramids were built, you know. So, like, I set big rock, okay? I work with you know. real big rock. I mean, I... No, there's some, there's some, like, you know, heavy discussions going on right now about, you know, when the pyramids were actually built and that they're actually far more ancient than people oh, thought. Oh, they, they are know, so you know, far more ancient and they were, never, yeah, yeah. they were never... Yeah, they were never... <laughs> go it's down the like, rabbit hole on that. But. Yeah. No, there, there were never tombs. No, 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 no mummy was ever found in the pyramids. You know, not even one. You know, everybody knows that. And, and they were tombs. They, they, they are amazing things. I spent six, seven weeks uh, there dowsing. And I'll... If you ever want, I'll tell you the whole story. I right. want to know the whole we'll story. Have to, we'll have, you back. we'll have you back for a special pyramid yeah, edition of the Definitely. podcast. <laughs> it's pretty incredible what, what, what really happens. So let's get back to food a little bit. Um, you know, you have your, uh, you split your time between the Seattle area and, and here in Kauai. And, and uh, tell me a little bit about, um, you know, what your company does in the state of Washington and how you work with, farms and and the activism role that you've played in kind of you know speaking out and going around and working with farmers and it, trying to you know help people repair the soil and kind of coming up against you know the sort of corporate resistance that's going on right now well i mean it starts back you know when i first came and i and i ended up in seattle started a landscape construction company you know and I couldn't buy any organic fertilizer. It didn't exist. You know, there was mm -hmm. only chemicals. So I, I started going to a, a feed and seed stores and bought, like, rabbit food, cattle food, you know, that in, in bags. And I would mix that so I could get the right amounts of everything. And that's what I would then use on my landscapes to fertilize my, my soil. Because everybody says, oh, you're fertilizing the plants. Actually, you're fertilizing the soil that fertilizes the plants. So, uh, and, and it's, it's actually microbial food. Fertilizer is really microbial food. That's what it really is. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
So I go like, okay, I got to come up with something. So I started making all these concoctions, and uh, and I used them for many many years. And everybody goes, man, you should put this stuff out, you know, and blah blah blah. But as as opposed to a lot of the organic movement, especially at that time, was like, oh, you use this and you use that, and half of the time it would stink to high heaven, and you know all of that stuff. I'm going like, this is not going to work because. I was doing these multi-million dollar estates. I was doing, you know, anything from there to, to just your average neighborhood home. And, and people don't want that around their house. They don't mm -hmm. want to have it smell like, like, a, like a chicken farm or something like that. <laughs> and, 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 you know, and if they didn't mind, the neighbor would mind, you know? So that, that didn't work. I'm going like, okay, so we're on planet Earth right now and this is how everybody thinks, so what do we do? So that's when we came up with making it what we have today, which basically means that anybody can stop spreading their fertilizer in their spreader, wash it out, put my product in there, and go. It's, it's done. It's that simple. And that's what makes it simple. See, I'm a, I'm a, you always have to have simplicity to a certain point. You know, when, when we first started recycling in Seattle, you know, uh, all of us knew each other, all seven of us. And, <laughs> and so when we would meet at the Safeway parking lot and put our glass and our tin cans and everything in this drum, and it would take forever to fill up, it's only seven of us. Now it's being picked up at your doorstep throughout entire Washington. So if you look at it, and that doesn't necessarily mean that everybody know, needs to know exactly why they're recycling, I'm just happy they're doing it, you know? Yeah. And I don't really need everybody to fully understand what's in the fertilizer as long as they do it so that we, we start creating a, a more healthy environment. And so you have, you have the fertilizer issue, you know, and then, you know, originally I was mixing this stuff in a, in a, in a cement mixer in my brother's garage and I, I, I had this bag stitcher, <laughs> you know, and I would get the bags from the guys from Starbucks because they started pretty much the same time as, as I did, and I was one of their main guests because I was European, I knew good coffee, and I was, yeah, and there <laughs> was a little, this little, yeah, customer. yeah, this little, this little hole in the wall in Pike Place Market, and I would go in there every, every time, and they would go like, oh, wow, we have this, and we have that, and we just sit around, and, and I would t do the coffee tasting with them. I go, yes, this is a good one. They were so paranoid, they go like, oh my God, we put our last dimes into this thing. I hope it works. I said, don't worry, America needs a good cup of coffee. Trust me. Right. Because I was having my mom send me coffee from Holland because I couldn't drink the crap they had here. You know, going like, this is unbelievable. They had like B&G and Folgers and all of that stuff. I'm going like, and unless you were in New York, in Little Italy, you couldn't get any good coffee anywhere, right. so I figured, well... It's hard to imagine, you know, America before Starbucks, but it wasn't that long ago. It didn't ago. exist. I know. It didn't exist. Yeah. I mean, so you can say what you want about Starbucks, but, I mean, at least they got something going that, that revolutionized us getting a better taste bud. You know, if, so if you, you know, like it's with food, you know, like the reason people get fat and, 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 uh, and obese and malnutrition is because of the drugs of the MSG, which has gotten knows what, 30 different names now, so you can't even tell what it is. But it's in that food, so they constantly, it's, it's, it's far more addicting than some of the hard drugs on the market. Yeah, and then people go to Europe and they watch how people eat, eating these very rich foods and living like a, a, a relatively slower pace of life and 
and yet, you know, there's not an obesity problem. You know, maybe there are in the central metro, you know, metropolitan metropolitan areas, but yeah. but not like we have. And, oh no. And so they come. No, no. So then Americans come back to America and go, well, it's the diet, but it's actually it's not. You know, it's it's not a license to you know pour butter all over your food and cream sauce or whatever. I do. But uh, yeah, do. I love good butter. Yeah, it's like. But I think that it goes back to what you're talking about, uh, the way that that food was grown and harvested. And right. you know, they're not eating all day. They're eating you know a, high, a higher nutrition density you know meal than we are. And they're they're not like you know eating. Cheetos what? all day yeah. long. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, ooh, real sustainable food right there. But uh, you know, it's it's but everything like that, everything in 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 limits is is perfect. You know, like I mean, when I was growing up, you know, and we would visit grandma, one of the first things we would get, we little kids, three, four years old, we'd get a bottle of beer. You know, it's like we were happy kids, trust me. You know, grandma would give yeah, we, we were getting a bottle of beer, and this was very normal. If you go to France, the kids drink wine. Italy, you know, there's, there's no problem, you know. It's not, oh, my God, arrest this man. He just give his child alcohol. Well, yeah. and you're not drinking to get drunk then. So exactly. You're just it is just, it as it's part of the meal. What does I don't understand. That does not. Rich doesn't you. understand that. He's a, he's a recovering <laughs> alcoholic. Well, so, you know, except I mean, you. What is the point of that? Yeah, what's the point of? Well, because it tastes good and it feels nice, and you know, like, and it, it like a good red wine will break down the fat cells. So of course, the French have a lot less uh, trouble with heart disease than Americans because they drink their red wine and it breaks right, down and the fat cells, but it balances things out again, and. Like, these people, you know, when they first came up with all this stuff, weren't nuts. You know, they, they knew exactly, you know. And a good beer is good food. Mm -hmm. It's nutritional. If it's grown the right way and made the right way, it's, it's like drinking some food, you right. know. But not so, with the grains that we grow today that would go into those kind of products. Right, anymore. of course, you know. So everything has changed, you know. We all know that. But, you know, when you look back and you, you, you have this stuff happening and it's absolutely okay to have a beer... With, with, with your family or, or, you know, there was no such thing. You know, when you say no mm -hmm. all the time, you mean yes. Okay. <laughs> look, look at those evangelists that, that, that were preaching God and damnation and they had a hooker on the side, you know. <laughs> I mean, you know, because when you're so dead set on saying no all the time, that's what you crave. So basically, you know, you can read between the lines anytime at all and, and you know these guys are just full of it, okay. Right. And, uh, and it takes a very, uh, it takes a mob mentality to follow that kind of system at that point in time. And that counts for politics, religions, and, 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 and anything else, so-called schooling. So that's why I go like, well, anybody who's in school, you know, start questioning the stuff that you're learning and, and, and why you do not have your intuition as part of the teaching in your schools. What's wrong with that? Or start homeschooling. Or start looking for alternatives. Yeah, I mean, or, or you know, at least question, you know. I mean, and if you can't afford to homeschool, and you, know, you, 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 I mean, we also have a society where it's not necessarily it's possible. It's not really set up yet. Yeah, it's not set up, so. But at I least... I think just learning to, to, uh, to, you know, think, think critically is important and I think yeah. that you know when it comes to educating your kids I mean that comes it's from the top down I mean that's got to come from the parents to instill that kind of um, you know watchful eye in their children not in like a paranoid way but just like do your own research you know take responsibility for your decisions don't necessarily you know 
take everything at face value and, and uh, you know, learn to look at things. You know, it's sort of like the, the, the Steve Jobs, Apple, you know, think different or whatever. But there's yeah. something to that. And, uh, you know. Out of the box. Yeah. And <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. yeah. yeah ask, and understanding. Just ask questions. Understanding yeah. that the education that, you're, that you've been told is so important that you have in the current format might not be serving the future and so yeah. there's a need for a shift in awareness and and uh and then the the magic pill doesn't exist it doesn't exist but we need to question and we need to try to listen to intuition to let those new forums come in so that we can help each other and mm-hmm. share person to person So I, I did a lot of stuff, you know, uh, talking about all of that. I gave talks all over the states, also, and and so to farming communities, landscape communities, golf courses, uh, DOTs, uh, you name it, you know. And and one of the main things I would always repeat in a class was intuition, you know, because obviously I've come up with some of some incredible stuff. I mean, as far as my soil technology and all of these things, I have structural soil which can grow a lawn and you can drive a, a, a semi over it and it will not sink. So it's, it's the balance again, you know. And so talking about all of these stuff with all these people in these classes was quite amazing. I gave classes at the ICA, which is the International Erosion Control Association, for many, many years. And uh, some 60 countries would be present, you know. And so a lot of people learned like different approaches to to what we have. As an example, you know, if you see freeway work going on and they trying to keep something from eroding, they will just only look at that. Keep it from eroding. I'll put concrete on it or I'll put rocks on it. But what does that mean? You have forgotten about percolation because that area used to be perking. So where is that water going now? You're basically sending it down the road, creating more problems somewhere else. So you're not only losing that water percolation, you, 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 you're losing transfer evaporation, you're, you're losing wildlife habitat, you're, you're losing an enormous amount of stuff. So if you go to a school and they instruct these guys to basically learn erosion, be a geotech engineer and, and learning erosion control, and this is what then you come up with, you are lacking in, in, in the awareness of looking at the overall picture. Mm-hmm. And that goes for farming, that goes for landscaping, that goes for anybody who is working with the soil. You have to look at the overall picture, not just one little aspect of it because that's what you've been taught in school. And that's where the school danger comes in, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and because it's one-sided, you know, and it needs to be completely full of humanity, of why we're here, what we're doing, and what our soul's growth is, and what sustains that. You know. That view alone, if you, if you went to life like that, you are going to gain a lot of knowledge because it's simply the universe will just keep on giving. Right. It won't stop. I'm super proud to announce my next venture, Voicing Change Media. This beautiful consortium of thinkers, storytellers, artists, and visionaries all committed to fostering meaningful exchanges and sharing thought-provoking content. Voicing Change Media will feature shows like The Proof, 
with Simon Hill, Soul Boom with Rain Wilson, Mentor Buffet with Alexi Pappas, Feel Better Live More with Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, and The Conversation with Amanda Decadene. You can explore this network and all its offerings at voicingchange.media. So, uh, so I want to get back to, you know, you're sitting at, uh, you're sitting at Starbucks, the first Starbucks and Pike Place, and you're coffee tasting with the yeah, founders, yeah. So and, you're, and you're developing these, you know, uh, radical, you know, organic fertilizers, right. and, and you're starting to learn about the biology of the soil, and this sets you on this path towards becoming this sort of artisan alchemist and, and learning about soil ecology. And, and so I just wanted to talk, you know, like kind of fast forward a little yeah. bit no, and talk cool. a little bit about, you know, you know, what is this soil biology concept? I mean, you know, isn't dirt dirt? And, you know, what's the difference? And, 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 and quite frankly, like, why should I be interested in this? Like, why, do, why should I care as a consumer? I'll back up for a second because of the bags, right? I used to get the, the burlap bags from Starbucks because they didn't know what to do with them. They had all their coffee shipped, you know, from Peru and God knows everywhere. And they had all these bags, burlap bags. I go like, awesome. So I would get all their burlap bags, and that's what I would put my fertilizer in. <coughs> uh-huh. And I had my bag stitcher, and I would sell it to a couple of landscapers that were into changing their ways and stuff like that. Those bags would probably be worth more than the fertilizer you had in if you still had them and sold them on eBay as the original <laughs> Starbucks coffee that's bags. <laughs> yep, that's what we had, you know, and and uh, and basically I had mountains of those bags and that's what we were using, you know. So it was a process of love. I mean, it still is. I mean, you know, I like to make money actually on in, in fertilizer sales is a tough way to go sometimes. <laughs> but uh but you know, we do all the other stuff, you know. So that, that, that helps out. But your basic your, your question on, on why and how is <clears throat> what happened is I was making all these soils and and somebody said to me, Hey, there's this woman in California up in, in Oregon that has this lab and she's a professor at the university there, blah blah blah. And uh they test stuff, you know. I said, oh, cool, you know. She, they said, you should send some over there, you know, just, you know. I go, sure, why not, you know. And what so, year is this? When, well, it's like about early 80s or something? Or no, no, uh, that's later on. I was already doing all of the stuff, but, yeah. you know, I, I was just doing it on my own. I didn't really mm-hmm. know anybody else that was doing it. Uh, so what I did is I sent a sample out, and I kind of forgot all about it because I was busy in a job on, right on Mercer Island, the waterfront, and all that good stuff. And this woman calls. She goes, oh, hi, I'm Dr. Elaine Ingham, and, uh, you know, I have a sample of your soil here. I said, oh, yeah, totally forgot about it. Yeah, I was like, and? She goes, what in the world did you do to that soil? I go, why? Did I do something wrong? Yeah. She goes, this is the highest microbial count I've ever encountered in anything that I've been studying. So how did you do that? I said, oh, well, you know, I take a little of this, a little of that. I feel it. I smell it. And I go, that's it. She, she got pretty pissed off because she thought I was a scientist and I was, I was giving her, you know, a line of bullshit. I said, no, no, I'm serious. This is how I do this. You know, she goes, I don't believe that. I said, well, you're more than welcome to come out. And, uh, so they did. They came to that job site a couple of, like a week later or something like that, and I showed her exactly why and how I did things. 
she was like interested beyond belief. And she goes, well, we would really like to talk to you. We have a couple of people, and that was her and, 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 and a couple of other guys, that were working on the compost tea brewer. And it came from Carl Rubenberger. Uh, he, was a, he was an engineer in uh, Detroit for cars, came up with a way of a vortex nozzle that could save you lots of gas in the engine. So, of course, he gets oused because that's not what we want. You know, we don't want to run an engine, you know, 100 miles to a gallon. So, so he had a farm in Oregon, and he used his vortex nozzle to start creating microbes because he also had a background in, in, in biology. And he was working with Dr. Lane Ingen and, and, and a couple of other people. And, uh, and then I got included in this because of, wow, this is awesome stuff. Mm -hmm. So that is where I really started learning about biology. She's a professor. She's got $100,000 microscopes. We had them sitting all over our kitchen counter for months and months and months while I was improving brewers, coming up with different recipes. Because the brewing of tea, if, if everybody knows what that is, it's an aerated compost tea. So basically what you're doing is you're brewing microorganisms. You go from a million to multi-billions in 24 hours. You use that to spray on your land, to reactivate your soil, to spray on your plants for diseases, numerous, numerous different, different uh, possibilities. So, oops, sorry guys. Uh-oh, we got a cell phone. Yeah. And it's that old yeah. school ring. But essentially what's happening is you, you, this professor reaches out to you and you align with her and she's able to, you know, avail you the resources that allow you to take what you're doing to the next level and really learn and study more in depth about you know, how this biology is working and, and why it's working, but, right? And, but, you know, I, yes, and the reason that I wanted to say something about compost tea also is, is it's not a simple matter of just throwing air in, in a tank with compost, you know? I mean, if you have too much oxygen, not good. Not enough, not good. So your food source and your oxygen supply have to be very well balanced. If otherwise, that whole tea can go anaerobic because the, the microbes will actually eat themselves out of oxygen, mm -hmm. start to die off, and it becomes anaerobic. So we did an enormous amount of testing to make sure that, that, that for whatever brewer it was, that the food source was the right amount and that the, the air would, would not uh, 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 dissipate out of the brewers. So that's kind of what we ended up with doing. Uh, with, with the whole compost tea thing. And we're still doing that today. We, we have a setup here on the island, and we have a big setup in, in Washington where we have what I call the Rolls-Royce of spray trucks that has seven tanks. I can do any of the mixes. I use, I use Humates. I use all different kinds of things in there. It's like, the, it's like, a, like a driving kitchen, so to speak, right. where I can go out and say, okay, the soil needs this and this and this. We mix it and we spray it, or we simply do root injections. It's like <clears throat> having a driving kitchen and being a little bit of a doctor at the same time. You know? It's like right. vegan hot truck. <laughs> <laughs> vegan hot truck. Yeah. So, so 
the world, you know, the world that where we're living in and, and how this all came about and, and how, that's, how that just kept on becoming and going into yet something else is, is quite phenomenal. You know, because now compost tea brewing is done all over the world. You know, and, and originally it was just five of us that were kind of spearheading this whole right. thing. But then, you know, word gets out, people are seeing, you know, amazing results with uh, these products that you're generating and refining and suddenly you're the guy, like you're the go-to guy who's kind of, and you're getting asked to speak and you're traveling around and consulting mm -hmm. and going to China and doing all these sorts of things and, yeah. and maybe, uh, maybe speaking a little bit too much. Speaking a little bit too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there was, there was this thing in, 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 in Washington and, and, you know, I was, uh, I was invited as a keynote speaker and, uh, and to what? To what? To well, it was because there was a problem. What was happening? This is what was happening. They started composting everywhere, you know, especially in in in, in Washington. And but there is a byproduct called chlorpyrrolix that was in the compost, which is a chemical produced by Monsanto. And it was in the compost. So when people started spreading this compost, all the plants would die. Very good, you know. <laughs> right. That was a little bit of a problem, right? So, so they, they, what they did is they wanted to get a handle on this. They invited me as a keynote speaker and invited two guys from Monsanto. Of course, the Monsanto. Washington, you're talking about Washington D.C. No, Washington no, I'm talking State. about Washington State. Oh, Washington State. Yeah, and so governor there, mayors, and all kinds of stuff. And uh, and uh, you know, some scientists and lots of people in the room. And uh, well, hall. And uh, so I ended up talking, and these guys kept on coming up and, oh, this is not dangerous, this is not dangerous. And I did my research, you know. And, and th that same product had already been, been uh, banned in Denmark 15 years previous. This product, this Monsanto product. This Monsanto product was, was, uh, was the so-called inert. Be careful for inerts. And you, you combine a few inerts together, you have a ticking time bomb, right? right? So, <clears throat> so they were trying to prove that, of course, that their products were safe and it was tested. And I had all the information right there. So I kept on hammering on them. No, you already knew about this. And this happened at such and such a time in Holland. And this happened at such and such a time in Denmark. And you already knew this. But you're still putting it out there. This went on and on and on, till finally they had nothing left to say and they walked off the stage. And frankly, what I told them, I said, listen, you know, I understand that, that you're probably fathers of children. I said, and you probably want to keep your job. I said, but if you ever change your mind, you know, come and ring my doorbell. I might give you a job <laughs> for some real work. Well, they didn't like that very much. <clears throat> they walked off stage and, uh, and everybody thought that was the bomb, you know. I did really well, had an applause, yeah. you know, the whole thing. And, uh, but then all hell broke loose because I was giving talks all over the nation. And every time I went to an airport, you know, I just got harassed. I mean, literally harassed. I mean, the ticket got looked at. Or like, like I came from Florida, I stood in line to go to the ticket counter. And they already pulled me out, pulled me in a little room, did the whole thing. So essentially what you're saying is, as a result of speaking out against Monsanto, that you believe, you believe that, uh, some, that that set in motion uh, a situation that put you on some lists, that yes. caused you some problems with the government, and, and the, the kind of seamless integration between 
Monsanto and companies like that with government policy and the government. It's not, you know, it's it's one phone call away from putting you on a watch list or causing Correct. problems in your personal life yeah. that make it difficult yeah. for you to just, you know, live your life. Yeah. And that was, you know, uh, uh, quite a few years ago, 10 years ago. And, I mean, then I really came to realize who who owns the government, you know, who who calls the shots. And to, because this was a, a, you know, what does Monsanto supposedly have to do with the government, right? Right. You know, so all of a sudden you find out that that's, wow, you know, it's like they can put that much pressure on somebody, you know, and that it went on and on and I... You know, That's scary. I mean, it's very scary. I got called by Tom DeLay at the time. This was during the Bush administration. I got invited to go to Washington D.C. be on this panel, and I'm going like, Tom DeLay. Tom DeLay is calling. <laughs> Tom the, uh, DeLay is calling me personally. By the way, uh-huh. I'm sitting in my office. Everybody's just staring at me. He's like, what in the world? Tom DeLay called you personally. Like yeah. on his, he's like, um, hi, it's Tom DeLay. First, his his secretary. Uh-huh. And then I got him on the line. Right. And, and I, so I was invited to go and be on this panel in Washington, D.C. once a month. <laughs> and my first meeting would be dinner with the president. I go to the president of what? And he goes, of the United States, of course, Mr. Schreiber. I go, okay. Keep your friends close. Yeah, keep your enemies Keep your enemies closer. even closer. And so, so I said, well, you know, I have some, some contractual agreements that, that I need to actually you know, take some time out and see if I can uber help do this, right? I was all like, shucks, what am I going to do with this one, man? This is getting pretty hairy. So I called my friends in Washington, D.C., Toxic Coalition, and they said, who called you? You know, Tom DeLay is going to run. You know. Right. <coughs> so uh, I, I politely declined that I had too many pre-contractual agreements that I couldn't do it. They were very unhappy. Mm-hmm. But it was like time to get out at that point in time because it was getting... And then St. Helen Chemical Company got tried to come into our company and lots of different things happen. So, I mean, yeah, it's scary. So, you know, basically there's a, there's a somewhat idle or not so idle threat for you to tone it down and, right, right. you know, that kind of thing. And I think it, it's, you know, it's important to kind of take a look at that. And, and I wanted to, you know, cause we're talking about Monsanto. I wanted to talk a little bit about GMOs, um, mm-hmm. You know, lot, like we said earlier, there's a lot of talk about GMOs, genetically modified organisms in our food. There's a lot of debate back and forth, like this is pushing science forward. It's a good thing. No, this is unhealthy or we don't know yet. There's not enough information or studies. So, um, well, you know, the and very as a fact consumer, that we don't know yet. Yes. Should already be an alarm. Exactly. If you still have to figure out while it's already going on, whether it's OK or not, you, you are already stepping on very thin ice and that is where the problem comes in all so, these but tell us tell us what a gmo is tell like well, genetically or <laughs> modified organisms so uh, what happens like you're in monsanto and you're in the gmo department <laughs> or you're in the division well, that's well, in, so what is there. what do they do <laughs> i mean are they cr- they're creating i mean are they creating microorganisms in a lab to help you know with the intention of of their their you know gene splicing with food or like what exactly what is going on all of the above is going on and the, the way it works is so they can create these these foods that that will only by the way work with their chemicals right so you have to use their stuff or it won't grow or it won't grow and 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 or or, or you know that is your 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 pesticide is already built in 
into the ge the genetic exactly. makeup of the food itself. And you are eating that. That's you know like like instead of going into all the details of the how many and what and what got spliced with what, the basic bottom line is that the pesticides are built into the food. Otherwise, that would be impossible for these plants not to get affected by a normal disease. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you are eating that. And that becomes the intellectual property of Monsanto. Exactly. They, they own that, and they own that. Once you grow, once you grow it, you have to continue growing it. You got to buy their products in order to get it to grow and to grow again. Yeah, there is a farmer in. in uh, this was uh, I forgot the talk I was giving in, in the East Coast. Um, what is it called again? I'll, I'll pop in. You know, old old timers age right. uh, disease here. I forget things. My computer doesn't function <laughs> quite right. <laughs> Sometimes I go like, oh, what was that again? But uh, I, I I was on the same speaking circuit as this farmer who happened to be growing his food, and it got all taken because the stuff from 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 Monsanto blew into yeah, his blow, field. that's the thing that people don't realize is that it, it the air carries these seeds and right, then right. it seeds new land and then but you don't you're not you don't have the permission to be growing exactly. these seeds right so and then, then you it, get into trouble and and these laws got passed i think during the bush administration that then it's their owners of it you have broken the law right. and yet the wind carried the seeds in. This poor guy that I was talking about. <laughs> What's he supposed to do? <laughs> I mean, it's insane. It's insane. It's, but you have to understand that all the seeds on this planet that have been there for God knows how many years, Monsanto is patenting these seeds. Are you, like, retarded here? And nobody is doing anything about it. There is the, the biggest seed bank in, in India. I gave a talk with her in, in, in Texas, in, in Austin, Texas once. She's got, got now the biggest organic seed bank in the world, I think. And she is really saving all these seeds because basically what, 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 what these corporations want to do is have like three potatoes, three apples, three oranges, three, you know, two or three, and the rest has to go. Because and then, then it will just eventually just take over. I mean... In the but the danger of it is that if anything goes wrong, your potato is gone. Yeah, your apple is gone. I mean, extinction. You, you are playing with 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 well, a and time nature, bomb. nature always finds a way. I mean, you you know, the human being wants to think that it's that it's conceived and created this perfect food or whatever that is pestilent resistant and all these sorts of things. Right. But it's sort of like getting a you know uh, inoculated against a, a bacterial infection or a disease or right. something like that. Like, you know, these genes, these viruses, these bacteria, they mutate constantly. So right. you get your flu shot and you know by the time they figure out like the strain to create the flu shot and then it gets manufactured and shipped and you do it, by there's a there's an amount of time that transpires. Mm -hmm. And during that period of time that flu strain has already evolved and may even already be resistant to that shot that you're getting. I'm not saying all the time, you know, I'm not a doctor, but no. I'm saying that nature finds a way. It can, right. and, and it will, it's always changing. It is not a static thing. And so mm -hmm. when you create this genetically modified food stuff and think this is the perfect thing, that is not static. That will continue to evolve, and we don't know where that is headed, right? Right. Of course, while well, you, you, you do know, you know what I mean? It's like, for instance, you, you have the monarch butterflies who, who, who depend on the milkweed that, that grows with, with, with the corn. And, and their migration depends on them being able to eat that milkweed. You know? And that's non-existent anymore because of that, that, that type of, of, of 
problem that they're creating with all their pesticides. So that right there is a major imbalance. And that's just a that's well, just these the tiny, tip of the yeah, but these tiny little things. I mean, these ecosystems are so delicate and fragile that you tweak one little thing and the whole thing collapses. Exactly, and that's continuously where where I'm talking about. It's it's like, and some of these people, some of these scientists, actually might even think in their head that 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 they are doing a good thing. Who knows? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't think they're just downright black and evil. Uh, I think that somewhere in the, along the line, you know, a, a wire went crossed and <laughs> they actually think they're doing something good while they're actually destroying the planet. So, which is a very, very dangerous thing. I mean, if you have all that stuff going down into your creeks, rivers, ponds, oceans, killing reefs and everything else under the sun into your water supplies, I mean, you have to start thinking about something. It's like, why would I have to improve on something that nature did, right? So, and why would I be doing it? Now, if you have, if you have an answer to yourself, oh, okay, well, I want to help humanity out, your best is, again, you have to be a balanced individual with your intuition and your science. Because if you are not, your mind will tell you you are doing the right thing because you have long ago forgotten to listen to your heart and your intuition. There is the imbalance. So what you're getting is you are getting a creation from people that are imbalanced, period. Right. It can never go right. It always starts, it <laughs> always, right. be, it be, it's, you know what, it's an interesting, I mean, it, basically you're saying it's an inside job, it starts with inside yourself, and that's from which all of this sort of thing emanates. And in the same sense, you're saying the same thing about the soil and the land. It starts with the unseen. It starts with the microbes in the soil that create the foundation for everything that comes from it. And similarly, inside ourselves, it right. starts with our relationship with our inner self. Yeah. And, 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 and our planet, the soil, is our biofilter. Everything we put in there has to go somewhere. Right? So, so it, it purifies, it does all these different things. But if we keep killing what is purifying it, then it won't purify anymore. That's why our drinking levels and, and our wells get polluted. Yeah. So, and then you need to come up with all kinds of chemicals to kill what's in the water so you can still drink it, but then has an effect on your body that you can't handle, so you need to take more pills to, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it just goes on and on. How about? Not starting it to begin with. Has that ever dawned a, on anybody? I don't know. That's pretty radical. That's pretty radical, <laughs> yeah. right? It's like, but too but, simple. But have, has anybody ever stood still and said to himself, "What am I really doing here? What does my heart tell me? What does my gut tell me? Am I really helping humanity out here, or 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 am I playing with fire? I have no idea about. If you are a scientist and you start cooking up this stuff." You have to start questioning yourself on, am I really doing the right thing? And how does my gut feel? Or do I just want that big paycheck? Right. Mm -hmm. am I a Why are you doing it? Am I a prostitute to, 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 to a financial status and a so-called piece of paper given to me by some university somewhere along the line? Yeah, that is sick. Yeah. In my eyes. It's hard to look in the mirror, though. It's, you know? it's hard. Well, that's why they probably yeah. don't have mirrors. I don't know. <laughs> but, I don't know. But you see, so uh, it, it, it's not necessarily what they're mixing. It's why they're mixing. Right. 
and what is the end result of it. And that's where everybody has to be careful of. And why would you, as, as a Monsanto, spend $40 million to not get a label on a food? Why? Because they know it's friggin' bad. That's right. <laughs> they already know that, that it's a bad scene, and if they put that darn thing on the label, well, that half of the people might not buy it, and they're not making the money anymore. And it takes their ability to control the message um, away from them and in the people's hands. Right. And, 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 it, and, you know, people need to also understand that, that uh, you know, even some of these uh, supposedly kind of health food companies like Bold House Farms or yeah. Oddwalla Juice and yeah. all these products that are, you know, in the grand scheme or scale of things are on the healthier side. They are owned by huge conglomerates like Coca-Cola and, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and those huge companies are, you know, basically on the same page as Monsanto. So yeah. Oddwalla actually spent quite a bit of money to oh, defeat, yeah. <laughs> you know, Prop 37. Yeah, so, I know. you know what I mean? So it's, it's, uh, it, it goes deep. It, it goes way down a rabbit hole. The very fact that we're sitting here talking about it is already like out of this universe. The very fact that you're so-called free America, you can't, you, you, you can't get, you need to know what's in your food and you're not legally allowed to have that, that in itself is totally probably against your but constitution. But then the people, the people of California said, you know what, we really don't want to know. Yeah. Well, I mean, they I voted, voted you know? but, but, but it's probably, yeah, okay. Let me explain something else about nutrition. What do you think brain function needs? <laughs> it needs nutrition. <laughs> so the less good nutritional food you give people, the more of a good soldier they become, so you can send them off to fight your wars and get all shot up and then come back and, and, and you yeah. being called a hero because that feeds the ego. In the meantime, you, you, you're, you're raping, plundering, and pillaging all over the place and, and you're being called a hero. It's like it takes a particular mindset or none to do this. And, and if you get that train going and you get that non-nutritional and there's no brain development happening here, we are in trouble. So I'm not saying this is a conspiracy, but no, you, some, you could be saying, it's like, are they doing this on well, purpose? Well, it's, it's some matrix like, shit, you yeah. know? I mean, this is like, you know, this is the matrix well, we are that we're the talking matrix, about. Yeah, so, no yeah. That's but, another podcast. Though. Yeah, again, I mean, getting back to, you know, what can we do about it? So, yeah, know, we, I think it we're... It seems so, you know, just such a monumental, you know, wave. Right, and I want to... Mm-hmm. You know, we're always talking about, you know, what to do, and we're always advocating get in touch with your heart. Well, we're doing it right now, are. right? We're, 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 we're talking, and, and people are listening, and whoever, sorry about that, I don't even know how to turn this thing off. That's okay. Here, Here. Chris, you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I want to, we've, you know, we've, 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 yeah, uh, back on. Whoops. <laughs> back on, you turn it back on again. I just gave um, it to a technician here. <laughs> yeah, we got to kind of head towards <laughs> towards wrapping the show up anyway because we've kept you for this has been fascinating, amazing. But um, I want to I want to be able to give people who are listening um, something that they can take away with them when they go to the grocery store. You know, we've given them a lot to think about, but you know, there's still so much confusion about like they just want to make the right choice. You know, mm-hmm. c- what can we tell them? What can you tell them? 
that can help guide them so that they can make better choices to okay. feed themselves. Okay. Well, and and also I want to get into like if somebody wanted to plant a garden, how could they begin? And we can okay. we could talk about some of the yeah. stuff that you do. As far as look, do the food and buying at the store. So the more local you can buy and that you know it's grown by local people around you, which is kind of hard to do when you're in the middle of L.A. or New York, obviously. But the more you can buy from local, where the, the, the trip from farm to your plate is, is the quickest, good. Whenever you go to a health food store and, and you have all these things that say natural, Read the label. Yeah. <laughs> because never believe any <laughs> Jeff Novick told me never believe anything on the front of a package. Go Ever. right to the label and educate yourself about how to read a label. I'll, I'll put a link up on the site about you know some information about how to better Good. read a label. But yeah, never believe anything on the front. Yeah, because when it says natural, it doesn't mean anything. You right. know. I mean you can have naturally pesticides inundated peaches. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> but, but, you know, if you look at the natural, go, oh, I'm doing good now for my family, I'm buying natural. It's like, what do you think it is? It's always been natural, you just put a lot of crap well, it, into it. It's occurring on our planet. So right, yeah. That makes it natural. <laughs> yeah. <Naturally. laughs> it's occurring on our planet, so it's natural already, you know? It's like, but it, it's a psychological thing that they're trying to play on you. And that's where the problem comes in. I, and so I look at, Buy food that is definitely organic certified, you know, wherever you can, and buy as much as possible fresh that comes from the farm right in your neighborhood if you can, you know, that's or grow your own. And to grow your own, you have to, of course, you know, where are you? What's your soil conditions? You know, and you might have to do a raised bed and bring in a good foot and a half or two feet of good of good topsoil to grow your vegetables in. Four inches won't do, folks, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I mean, and, and most construction, say you're, you're living anywhere in urban America, most construction is, is done in a way that, that the clearing happens, most of the soil is being removed, the duff, I call it, the black gold, and scraped down to hard pen, the building happens, there's lots of contractors coming in and out with trucks. Paint gets spilled, a little paint thinner here and there. All that crap goes on the ground. And then all of a sudden your landscaper comes in and your contractor grades this with a D3, right? So it's nice and clean and now the landscaper can come in and he is allowed to put maybe a couple of inches of soil down. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Those couple of inches of soil will do one thing, 100% guarantee, that is create diseases. Because nothing can grow in four inches of soil. So that means, and the neurosis of the American lawn, for instance, say for instance, you're taking your lawn out to put in a vegetable garden, you got the neurosis of the American lawn, it has to be sparkly, no weeds in it, and what, mm -hmm. what have you not, right? So, so you, you're trying to grow that on, on, on a couple of inches of topsoil on hard pan. Well, those roots aren't going to bury themselves into that hard pan. Not happening. Mm -hmm. So what you're doing is they're constantly short of food. They're constantly diseased because they can't sustain themselves. So you're constantly putting your pesticides on. So you already inundated that soil with pesticides and God knows whatever else in, in, in the world. So if you have one of those houses and you say, okay, lawn goes, I'm putting in a vegetable garden, don't try to use that soil. Let it sit way below. Let, let whatever 
filters to your good stuff that you're putting on top get into that soil because the worms will eventually go in it. And as the worms go in, I use this in erosion control all the time. People say, what do you use? I said, I, I have a slide going, I have hard pan clay. I can't amend that. It's so steep at 60 degrees, forget it. So what do I do as I bring thousands of worms in? Those guys go to work for me and they don't take sick pay or holiday off <laughs> or anything. You know, they're the best workforce I've ever come across. And so I put them in, they will bore into that hard pan and, and discrete their worm castings in there. Then roots follow. So I use the analogy, for instance, if you have one hair on your head and you pull it out, it's easy. If you grab a whole handful and try to pull, it's not easy. So if you have an erosion control thing and these, these, these millions of roots go through the new soil I put on into the sub-base, it starts to hold everything together again. So if you have a garden that you're trying to build, you, you want to get a very, very good topsoil, not full of wood chips or bark, you know, especially not like cedar bark or, 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 or juniper or something like that, because it's so high in acid, it, it's going to rob your soil from nitrogen. Mm -hmm. Bad scene. So you want to get a really good soil, very, very airy. Make sure you use a really, really, depending on where you are, otherwise you can buy my stuff online and, 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 and ship it. But make sure you really create a vegetable garden that is going to function. So you, your first try is going to be successful. Because what happens with a lot of people, they start trying, and they, they kind of Mickey Mousing around, and, and everything looks working, a little anemic, and, and it's like, oh my God. You know, it's none of that stuff. It should be successful from day one. And, and if you, you do it right, if you sort of create that, that foundation with the soil first, right. then the actual growing part is going to be... Simple. Right. It's easy. It's a right. picnic, frankly. So you, you invest the time up front in that yeah. part, and then, right. and then it becomes easier yeah. after that. How All many right. feet down do you uh, like the soil to be treated? I mean, to be your oh, beautiful soil? I mean, soil? If, if, if I amend soil, I amend it a good two, three feet down. Two or three if, feet. Yeah, if I add soil, mm -hmm. like in an area where it's been scraped off, or, uh, you know, in all my landscapes that I've installed, I... My minimum, minimum depth is a foot and a half. Mm -hmm. That's minimum. But my soil will grow root systems three foot deep in three months. I mean, if you, people, you know, I, I, this is a good one. I did this talk, you know, for these landscapers in, in, in the Midwest, and there was hundreds and hundreds of people in, in my talk, and I asked a question. I said, and these are professional landscapers, all of them. I said, how deep do you think grassroots grow? And I wanted to hear from what they thought. Everybody goes, two inches, four inches. One guy goes, six. Everybody looked at him like, is he retarded? <laughs> I said, how about like 20 feet? And, they, and everybody goes, what are you talking about? I said, how about 20 feet? How about 30 feet? I said, have you ever gone in a cave way on the ground and you see little hair roots coming through cracks? I said, roots will go wherever they can, unless you stop them. I said, and here's the example. So I, I, I think I sent you this. You know, I'm holding grass, and the grass is only an inch and a half tall, mm -hmm. but the roots are three or more feet long. And we grew that in three months. 
And it's, it's, that's, so when you have that, and you have to start understanding what happens, if you are in a region and you have a drought, right, and you are constantly watering your lawn because it, it can only grow four inches or two or three inches deep, it will dry out within hours. So you're constantly pumping the water on it. And then everybody goes, see, here's that, that thing. Don't go to the source of the problem. Try to fix the wound. Oh, we are going to use a cheap irrigation emitters that puts out less water. That's not the problem. The water is not the problem. Your, your heart pan is the problem. Your roots can't go down. The roots they can't, can't go down. They can't absorb enough nutrients right. and water to sustain Exactly. Them. So, so you if you have, you have to be yeah. feeding them, yeah. watering them. So if you have your root system three feet down, and you have a drought, you know how long it takes for, for, for nature to dry soil three feet down? A long time. So I had lawns in Seattle, right? And they had a ban on watering because they lost all their water. And so my lawns were still green. So they thought that I was secretly pumping water out of the lake to oh, water right. the lawns. So everybody's lawns dry up. In Seattle? How is that possible? Oh, because <laughs> there is a drought, yeah. and if you only give it four inches of good soil and they can't penetrate, you're still in right. the same So everybody's same lawns dry out except Hendrikus' right. lawns. So right. same with your vegetable garden. If you have a vegetable garden and you have good soil that goes two feet down, those root systems are going to retain a lot of that water. There's a lot of act microbial activity And you're not happening. depleting the soil. And right. you're not depleting the soil. So it's, if you cannot get say a foot and a half to two feet of good soil for your vegetable garden, you don't do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't don't stop don't playing. Even try. Don't try. Don't you know, get a planter pot or something. Do what you can afford, but don't don't half ass it because then you're basically frustrated, nothing happens and, and it's a waste of time and energy. So my option is always do it right the first time. Do right? it right the first <laughs> yeah. time. All right, I think that's a good place to Okay. Ended here. Hendrikus. Thank you for having me. Man. You're a fascinating guy. Thank you for coming on the show. So if people uh, want to learn more about Hendrikus and his mad skills and products, Boy, where, where do they I go? List here. <laughs> I know we can, you can go to Hendrikus Organics, and Hendrikus is spelled H-E-N-D-R-I-K-U-S yes. organics.com. Yeah. So I have a list here, but I, uh, I can't read very well. You want me to read it for so, you? Go for it. There's, well, we'll put we'll put all this stuff up on the oh, on the good. website. Oh, good. That's a good idea. And then you have other, and you have a book, right? If well, people want to get into the real, I don't have a book. Real... I, I, you know, I have that, but it's basically to give to geotech engineers because it's okay, very technical. Super technical. Yeah, super technical. because I did the testing at at uh, in California and you know with, uh, in, in San Diego at the gotcha. time. Gotcha. And so, if and if there's a, if somebody wants to learn a little bit more about how they can rejuvenate their own soil or start their own vegetable garden and do it right, like you explained, are are there any online resources that you can think of, like some good websites where people could start and and you know just begin the process of educating themselves, or should they just go to your website and? Well, go they from can there? go. I mean, we have links to lots of things. They can go to my website, and if they have questions, they can always call my office. You know, mm-hmm. the numbers are on there, and. That would be very helpful. I mean, we've rejuvenated a lot of farmlands, even here, you know, that are because of, of the growing of the sugar beet and the pineapple and all the pesticides used. You know, there's a lot of leftover. So we use like, a, like, like things like microtrol to, it's microbes that literally eat the pesticides, you know, that 
rejuvenate that land, and then we start adding our compost tea and all our organic goodies and build that land back up and in about anywhere from four to six months. Okay. Where it's, it's healthy again. So it's right. a fast, fast game. So, yeah, and if you can, yeah, tell people where to go. We also do a, a uh, I'm on a TV program in, in Washington a lot with uh, gardening with Cisco, and I talk a lot about how to do things. And the links are all here also. All on so that, okay, on the site. Can, right, they're all on the site. So we yeah. go to hendrikusorganics.com backslash media. Um, but you can find that link on his website. And you have quite a few quite a few shows on there, yeah, I saw. Yeah, there's a lot like of shows. A lot. I think I 50 or something. Yeah, 50 or so. It's incredible. <laughs> Media and, darling. And then please, please. Why put those handsome looks to waste? I mean, I, the, I, the I, man mean? needs to be on awesome. television. I, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to be on the silver screen. I just came back from uh, Iceland. And uh, I did a big job for Ben Stiller, and he asked me to be in one of his movies. So oh, I just went. I knew he was shooting out there. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> so Are you wait. playing like you know a Viking or something? Yeah, the name of the film is uh, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Yeah, yeah. And awesome. I have a very, very, a very, very, very small part, but it's a speaking part, and I, I had a great time doing it's it. so cool. And Iceland is beautiful. I can't and wait I to go there. Was it incredible? It's incredible. Nah. Yeah. So you, you got to check it out. That's yeah. amazing. All right, cool. Um, all right, so let's we got to get out. Let's wrap okay. it up. All right, so Hendrikas, thank you so much. You're welcome. Keep doing what you do, man. The better the wor the world is a much better place with you in it. So I appreciate you uh, spreading your message and uh, best of luck, man. Thanks for being on the show. All right, thank you. All right, both. cool. Thank well, all you. of you guys. Yeah, yeah, Thanks yeah. A lot. Uh, so uh, that's it for today. Uh, you want to find out a little bit more about what Julie and I are up to? You can go to jilifestyle.com, J-A-I lifestyle.com. We've got some uh, nutritional supplement products there. We've got an e-cookbook. We're coming out with a vitamin B12 supplement soon. It's still not up yet. Uh, and you want to, you know what? Julie needs more followers on Twitter. She deserves more Thank followers. You. Followers. At J-A-I-S-E-E-D. -E -E Thanks right. so much. And uh, uh, also don't forget our meditation program to connect you to your heart. Yeah, that's on Jai Everything Andrinkus was talking about today. We're totally in alignment exactly. with that. It all cool. begins there, man. Right yeah, in the heart. Absolutely. Right? Um, and uh, I'm at Rich Roll on Twitter. Thanks for the support on the show. Uh, we're having a lot of fun doing this. Very excited. Uh, in a couple of days, I'm going to have the fabulous Dr. Michael Greger on the show. We're going to Skype him in. He is the man behind uh, nutritionfacts.org, which is a, a, an incredibly helpful uh, nutrition resource um, where he basically puts up almost a video every single day. They're like two to, two to four minutes long, and he looks at the peer-reviewed research on this issue or that, this disease, this kind of food or whatever, and just gives you, you know, what the research is telling him. Uh, it's, you know, it's a nonprofit organization. He's a fantastic guy. I had the chance to get to know him a little bit this past summer. So he's going to be joining us. I think we're going to do that show on Wednesday. Today's Saturday, right? So in a couple of days. So look forward to that. Um, he's got a lot to say, and I want to give him the forum to do it. And uh, that's it. We're out of here. I want to thank my boys, Tyler and Trapper, for producing today's show. They're manning the audio controls. So it's a family affair here. Uh, you want to support this show, um, you can, if you're going to go buy something on Amazon, just go to richroll.com and there, there's an Amazon banner ad on the blog page and the, the podcast page. So just click there first. It'll throw a couple nickels in our pot and help keep this little thing going, keep the lights on, and uh, it won't cost you anything else. So until then, until...
the next episode. Adieu. Peace. Plants. Have a good one. See you next time.